Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Right? You feel it, baby? Boom, 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 boom. I can too. You know what I'm saying? Right now, you're looking at us Friday, January 27th. The Kings of Combat in the year 2023. London calling, folks. A little bit more than a week away. This is Morning Combat. You stumbled into the American Alpha right here, the BBC with that BDE, Brian Campbell. I bring the art on Fridays. I host the show, which you could argue from the beginning was probably the, the best course of action. But here we are, and I'm here to tee up the best fight analyst in the game mm. of people who have never fought. Luke Thomas. Of people who don't know shit, this guy knows a little. Hi, Brian Campbell. Thank you for that very generous intro. And by generous, I mean backhanded and yet somehow finding another way to determine that you are the A side of this, even if that's <laughs> not even really a point of conversation whatsoever. Yeah, we you know we had a nice London planning show, and you were like, you interrupted me, I'm like BC, you are not the A side of this operation. All right, and, you well, know, it's, 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 but the thing is, there, it's not that there is or there isn't. It's just that like we don't have to insert it into every idea that we have. That's the all right. That's fair. That's fair, Luke. It takes two to make a thing go right, and we've done it, it well here, award winning style. We got a great Friday show that's going to set the stage for like the lone combat fight of note this weekend when Arthur Betterbeeve defends his trio of light heavyweight world titles against mandatory challenger Anthony Yard in London. We've got a lot of big-time MMA news involving everyone from Connor, uh, Tony, uh, how about uh, Potan? You know what I'm saying? We got some big things to talk about today. We'll get the dead wrongs. We'll keep ourselves accountable because that's what we do. Mikey Mormile of CBS Sports on the ones and twos this Friday. Luke Thomas, uh, look, people may be sick of us saying this, but Wednesday, February 8th, Something big's going to happen, and we're going to be in the center of it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know what you're talking about. February 8th, we're going to be live in London, England. By the way, BC, we haven't really talked about this. It's something like, as Americans, we don't really get to the heart of. London has, a, I think, an argument for best sports city in the world. Wow. Um, it has. Yeah, well, think about it. Baseball teams go there. NFL teams go there. They don't have hockey or anything like that. But they get, like, you know, obviously uh, world-class rugby. They get, you know, I mean, the soccer, just forget EPL, about it. EPL, yeah. Yeah. Also, big tennis matches happen there. Like it goes on and on. If you think a cricket, obviously, I mean, if you think about it, London's like terms of like a worldwide popular sports and how they accommodate it. London's got a claim. So we're going to be there February right, 8th. 
you're a world traveler. I'm largely not. You know, the majority of my world travel has been to all-inclusive resorts where we probably take advantage of the local hardworking fare just to enjoy our unlimited Mai Tais. But I will tell you this, Luke, L.A. is still my favorite city. I think New York is the best city in the world of the ones I've visited. But you've got much more exposure. Is London in, London in that conversation with New York City for best cities in the world? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much. Very much. I mean, they're different cities. But in terms of like... If you just think about the biggest world-class cities, the easiest answer on that is going to be Tokyo, it's going to be London, it's going to be Paris, and probably New York City. Those are going to be like your biggest ones. There's some debate about that, but you know, it's something like that. Dude, London is as world-class a city as it gets. I mean, it's All right. pretty problem. MK in the UK, it's going to go down at King's Place, the music venue right there in the King's Court section of London. And you still have time. I know we've been sort of uh, haunting you with this idea that if you wait to the last minute, that minute's going to be up, and that is looking to be true, but there are still some left. If you want to make the journey, you may have to take off work. You may need a hotel room based on where you're coming from, but this could be the only time. The outlaw, Dan Hardy, uh, at the moment, our, our 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 chief third here, our main guest on what's going to be a 90-minute variety show that you won't soon forget. A reminder, if you can't make it live, we're going to air that broadcast two days later in our Friday, February 10th regular slot edition of Morning Combat, 11 a.m. on the East Coast time. But if you can see it live, please, folks. Uh, Luke, I just got my, you know, my outfit for the evening, Luke. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I saw it. I saw yeah. the outfit. It's um, it's something. It's something. I believe I'll your comment was, so you're going to be a gringo wherever you go. That was your comment. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. Okay, there you go. There, there it is right there. Uh, you can also subscribe to Showtime, uh, the label that pays us, Showtime.com. Get your 30 days free now. We're talking about Bellator MMA. Obviously, we're building toward Bellator on CBS February 4th, but the regular slate of Bellator, Showtime Championship Boxing. A, we got some dates already. I know there's a big announcement on the horizon. And Showbox, the new generation with your boy BC, coming back February 17th in Topeka, Kansas, baby. All right, we got MK fans out there. You can get 30 days uh, to try it out right now. Great documentaries, great series that you can't miss. Luke, how about this uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf uh, documentary that's coming to Showtime very shortly called Stand? Was that one of your NBA guys in the 90s? Uh, I was a little bit more of a Sharif Abdur Rahim kind of guy because he grew up in my uh, hometown. Well, the Marietta, baby, anyway. yeah, yeah, from Marietta, Georgia. So, uh, but I do I remember when this guy did it. Like at the at the time, athletes weren't like spoken out like this, and yes. the backlash it was insane, insane backlash. So I'm very curious to see how this one looks. Yeah, the Showtime's been doing some good docs in this basketball space for sure. If you haven't seen NYC Point Gods, check that out. Get your 30 days free, all that good stuff. Luke, the other point of uh, action I wanted to throw to was, I mean, one of our favorite sponsors. And really, if we're going to be honest, Luke, Life Partners. <laughs> okay? All right? You know, not, 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 in, not in an editorial co-hosting sense, but our next product, our next thing, I mean, it's Athletic Greens, AG1. I use it every single day. I take a one scoop of the Magic Green Powder. I mix it with the water, and suddenly it tastes great. It's healthy. I feel great. And I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, super foods, whole source superfoods, uh, probiotics, adaptogens, all the words I can't pronounce to start my day the right way. Biatch. That's right. You're getting gut health out of that. You're getting nervous system help out of that. You're getting immune system help, energy recovery focus, even a little bit of work to reduce some of the effects of aging. Athletic Greens can do all of that, BC, as well as be travel friendly so you can take it on live stream days when you're on the road in Topeka, Kansas, by the way, for Showbox. 
You ever been there, Luke? Is that a nation's capital you've entered? Uh, Topeka, Kansas. I don't think I've been there. I don't think I've been there. All right. There. I'm, I'm going to have a full much, report. But... I'm going to have a full report, but I'm going to bring my travel packs with me because it's travel friendly. AG1 also lifestyle friendly. You know, you may be doing the keto thing, the paleo lifestyle, the vegan, the dairy free, the gluten free, uh, maybe a seafood diet, if you know what I mean. But you can change that because this contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. You know, don't ask me, though. OK, don't even listen to me. Listen to those 7,000 people who gave five-star reviews. Listen to Gervais. Listen to Ferris, Rogan, Campbell, Dr. Joyce Brothers, right? The experts. I don't know if Rogan is part of that or not, but uh, at a bare minimum, what I can tell you is, BC, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season, which is really already here. My kid is sick again, by the way, so give it a week. I'm going to be sick again. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health, Brian Campbell. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you the one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D drops and the five free travel packs with your first order. But you got to go to the website, athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Let them know MK sent you there and give it a test run. And Luke, I'm going to openly question whether you take it day to day for how much you get sick because I don't, and I've been fighting the good fight. All right. Yeah. You don't, you don't have a three-year-old at home. I mean, let's just, let's see how everyone looks when you live with the Tookster and she comes home and sneezes right in your face. Oh yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do. I really get that. That is true. All right. All right. Uh, Luke, earlier, you know, we mentioned uh, our, our, another one of our sponsors, uh, you know, the private the private Internet folks there, the, the VPN job. You know, it's like the, the catchphrase should probably be stay private while you're looking at them. Right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely using incognito on my uh, Chrome browser. I can tell you that. Yeah. yeah there you go. There you go. Uh, anything you not, else? Do you not do that trick? I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you speak of. To be fair, to be fair, we'll have to talk offline on that on our All only. Right, so when you're account. on the road and you're watching pornography on your phone, you... <laughs> Luke, we live different lives. Okay, okay. Plus, you know, I got a lot of material banked. All right, enough of this conversation, Luke. Let's continue it on. Uh, anything else you want to say? Because we're about to hit the pavement hard on this Friday. We're about to absolutely bring it because that's what we do. Yes, and also, this is kind of, for us, the last quiet weekend for a while. I mean, some of the weekends are busier than others, but, dude, February, dude, February, we have to do the MK show on Monday, then we fly out Red Eye that night, then we have, like, all the stuff to do on Tuesday, interviews, blah, 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 more interviews Wednesday, then the live show, then more interviews on Thursday, plus we have to shoot stuff for the doc, then we fly back on Friday, then that Saturday, my kid has two birthday parties, plus we're calling the prelims, Plus, it's UFC 284. Then we have su- Sunday to catch a little bit of a breath before we're back at it again for MK on Monday. Dude, pack a fucking lunch. Yeah. You are gonna I just want it. you to know this is the life we chose, Luke, okay? This it is. is no, why- no, no, I'm not... I'm not complaining. Why you lift them weights in the offseason? I'm simply saying, you know, know, stiff stiff upper lip, young man. It's time to get to work, you know. It's time to put that hard head on because we're two hard men, Luke, and we're bringing that spirit to the UK. And that libido to the UK. There was something else I wanted to tell you very briefly, Luke, and I and I think I forgot it. It was going to see awesome a movie. Too. Did you listen to an album? What did you do? Yo, I went to. I took my son to the movies. We saw Missing. Have you seen this, Luke? No. How is it? It's really good. It's not great, but it's really good. It's it's here's the equivalent. Do you remember how uh, Blair Witch Project was shot all with what they call found footage? You know, like to make it look like it was like whole movie and it was real. The entire mm-hmm. movie here was shot through 
cell made it look like it was shot either through cell phones, through uh, laptop cams, or through any app you would use, social media or whatever. So it's got that, you know, that next level social media like kind of hook up there and feel. But good movie. Uh, Neil Long in it, Luke, of Boston Celtics fame. Neil Long about to be rich out of divorce court fame too. <laughs> yeah, 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 indeed, indeed. So I saw that. Paid. That wasn't my point of reference. What was I going to tell you? It was going to be great. Oh, Luke, I know now. You probably don't care, but I did make another appearance because I do. There were people in this industry we like, and Mike Heck is one of them, by the way. I went on his yes. MMA fighting show. Uh, what is it called? BTL. And, uh, you know, I went head to head in their game show format with one Jed Meshu. And, Luke, I got to say this Jed Meshu's one of the biggest dirtbags in this space. But, mm. you know, I. I I see a lot of I see a lot of young BC in him, you know, and he's got his own flavor. Uh, would you ever compete against that man in that space? Because he he really put me on the ropes. I had to fight out of that to win. Uh, you know, I know there's history between companies there, but I thought I told him I'd make an honest recruitment pitch to you. Yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to go on. I'm just imagining that there is a ban of me being there, or in the event that I get booked, that a ban would suddenly materialize. I could be wrong, but I'd be happy to go on. Okay. All right. It's an EKC Leiden production, which we support. So shout out to those guys if yes, you haven't checked that very out. Very talented. Very talented. And yeah. thank you all, as always, for liking, subscribing, for getting on board and following us on this journey, especially those who are going to come to the damn live show, folks. We love you. We appreciate you. Let's get down to business, though. We got a bunch of relevant topics in the news and a big one. On topic number one to kick things off on this Friday, uh, the past couple days, things have been coming up McGregor based on the teases that he's not only coming back this spring, we're going to guess, but he's going to coach the ultimate fighter. We've thrown around the ideas from Chandler to, you know, Nate and even Patty on the ideas that who should be Conor McGregor's dance partner on this long-awaited return for the first time since getting stopped and getting injured against Dustin Poirier in their trilogy in the summer of 2021. Luke Thomas... First, let's go to, to to Connor's post here that uh, I believe we have that in there that 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 got people riled up to begin with the idea that he's coming back and you know Luke he looks back at his initial time hosting the Tough House and what that did for his career and his brand at that point. Do we have Do we have the Instagram post? And I know that Tony followed up on Twitter. Well, we here's the follow up. Let's go to it. Tony Ferguson has answered that call on social media, and it seems to be although there's no. UFC confirmation, and I don't see anyone else reporting it outside of this. Tony Ferguson has announced to the world that he's going to be opposite Conor McGregor in an ultimate fighter build to the Notorious' eventual return. Luke Thomas, of all the options, we knew this was one of them, but if this is true, what do you think on this level of matchmaking mixed with the tough outreach to really put Conor back in the headlines? I have to tell you that... I basically, I basically hate how much sense this fight makes, um, because it does make sense, right? You can really very easily see it from all the parties' involvements here, right? So let's start with Connor. Why would Connor want it? Well, the Ultimate Fighter, I don't know that he would love it, but to the point that he made, it's immersion, it's reality TV. Connor's good for that, right? Uh, I think he might like being back in a teaching role, just kind of back in the flow of things, uh, other than the day-to-day -day stuff that he just can coordinate for himself back in a team environment, back in this, the sweat and the grind of the gym and being around these sort of like, you know, hungry guys, I'm sure he'll get paid to be on there as well. It sets up a big fight. It sets up a return. It's obvious why he would want to be on. Conversely, if you're Tony, it's the same kind of thing, right? Tony can probably would love to be in this environment. I'm sure the check would help, but on top of it, getting the fight, like, listen, I don't think that 
if you're Tony, you're, you've got a lot of opportunities left to make big money in, on a fight. In fact, this would be easily far and away the biggest one you could even imagine, at least under a UFC contract and probably even outside of one. This is the biggest one that he could get. And so for Connor, there's the reality show. And then Tony is a very beatable opponent. I, I didn't mention that, but let's sort of get to that as well. Right. It's a very you could very I, I would imagine Connor is going to be the favorite when the odds come out, if and when this is declared for Tony, it's not really all that winnable, but the check is enormous. He doesn't have many of those left. And if you're the UFC, need I say more Conor McGregor on a reality show opposite, you know, very independent spirit, let's say Tony Ferguson. Plus in the end, Tony is beloved. The fight would in some ways almost make sense given Conor's departure and needing a soft landing. The only thing that the reason I said, I hated it, BC was that it, not that it didn't make sense. I just, on the, it just seems like there's a very natural tendency, and I'm guilty of it, and you're guilty of it, of being like, oh, let's just give Connor much softer fights in a lot of different circumstances than we ordinarily would by virtue of the very particular nature of his popularity and sure. what that means for the company, right? Like, I don't even, because if this was boxing, this fight would make even more sense. This is exactly what a premier boxer would do coming back to like, get himself started all over again whatever that would mean and so i understand it i i if if this is what the fans want and what the ufc wants and for all the other reasons what we've already articulated i sort of get it but i don't know it's like just leading tony out to slaughter for a big check it's something yeah. weird is makes me feel about that i don't know if it's because we just saw tony last minute against nate and it's not that he fought disastrously bad and it's not that him getting stopped was any kind of like oh crap he shouldn't be fighting at all anymore not necessarily that but maybe that just added to the level of like well we have seen this recently already on the tony side right yes this is the perfect replacement to have a cowboy cerrone type challenge for connor and to your point almost nobody gets preferred treatment right we even argue sometimes that with these young, hot prospects, you know, Patty included to a certain degree, that maybe they should get better preferred treatment on the buildup so that you avoid a Sage Northcutt type situation. You know, Connor's one of the rare guys who on, on the comeback, because he takes such long time off, and obviously the star power, it is what it is, right? And, and you know, it's it, it would almost be promotional malpractice to steal Luke Thomas' phrase to not make this fight here. It's why I was saying, even though the Michael Chandler fight, I love, love, love. I mean, it's just a microwave special for you of action and drama. Uh, Connor's probably going to get knocked out in that. But Luke, I will say this because of uh, what we talked about when the news hit and the accusations that are currently against Connor McGregor that are involving assault. And if you, if you really read deeply on the accusation, you know, possibly even rape and, and kidnapping and all the awful stuff that's been, you know, and we'll, we'll find out what happens, how it plays out really gnarly and nasty that you know this has been a total theme on the second half of connor's career that it's just like you i don't i don't even think we can talk ourselves into the he's got one more win thing left in him that whole idea anymore one more big win right if he puts it all back together because i just don't see the evidence against me wanting him to put it back all together because it's been some of the most fun time as a fan and journalist i've had with this guy on top um i'm not even sure like he should win this i would predict him to win it big luke Ferguson is at a level of washedness in terms of punch resistance, especially where this is the type of matchup where Connor could light him up. But do you think there's a, there's a scenario here if Connor is worse off physically and mentally after yet another long layoff and the injuries and all the drama outside the cage, 
Let's say Connor comes back and he's worse than we expect. Is this a trap fight in any form to you because of Tony's submission ability? Because even though we don't look at him as having good strike resistance anymore, he 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 went head to head with Chandler and kind of lit him up for a round before things fell apart. There's no poor man's Diaz McGregor one set up here where like Connor could gas out and just get stopped or or subbed, right? I mean, this does feel like Cerrone all over again. Well, if he can't beat this version of Tony, I don't know what to tell you, right? I mean, if you can't, it's not to say that anyone can beat Tony at this point, but Tony is, I just don't think this is unfair to say, he has taken a lot of damage and he is at the very end of his career, pretty close to it. And, um, you know, he, he is far from his prime at this point. That's just the reality of it. If Connor can't beat a Tony who is well outside of his prime, or perhaps that's the that's the more accurate way to describe it. He he doesn't have much of a future in the sport. Then I mean I, I, is, that's that's the that's the reality uh, of this. So your point might be a little bit different. Like let's say he gets the win, but kind of looks languid. Then he's on borrowed time anyway. I mean the whole yeah. point of this is I'm really of the belief that Connor may or may not even look close to what he looked like before, but that there's really no reason that whatever state Connor is in, unless it's like super compromised, which does not seem to be on the table at all, unless it's that. He should not lose this fight. He should not lose this fight. This is very much a fight to promote his return, to promote yes. something else, to get him going and everything else in there. That's that's the sole purpose of this contest. So if you can't look right in that, I mean, you're asking if it's a trap fight. I think if Connor has done what he has supposed to do, if he is basically recovered and he basically trained the way that, you know, a more or less a high-level pro should, he's going to win one way or the other. It would, it would yeah. take... To answer the question in the shortest way possible, I would say this. It would take a serious problem or an epic collapse, which I guess is on the table, but unlikely. Yeah, I mean, he's still going to have to answer to the lengthy time off, to the injury, which was severe, and to all that was lost in this evolution for him, which never really happened. He showed certain signs of a potential evolution against Cerrone, but again, it's too quick of a sample to really know how much of that was fool's gold. I mean, it looked great. I wanted to believe, but let's clean up some of the issues uh, surround this. We do have the tweet from phone to, from Tony Ferguson, uh, which is essentially the, the info that we're going off of that this fight is <laughs> happening. And here's what Tony said on Twitter. I've been asked to coach on tough against old fathead or any one of my choosing. If that cake eating some bish wouldn't show Mac, what a uh, what a V always ready. Anytime, anywhere, choose you McNacker. Uh, a lot of other, you know, emoji type things there from tony so that is that luke let's go to the tough factor now full disclosure you don't care about tough at all i don't care unless there's a major gimmick pulling me back in those gimmicks at times have included heavyweights with kimbo which was a really fun season you had rashad in, in rampage i came back for the straw weights because uh specifically the angle was we may have a new rousey here with nama Yunus. it's a new division a new class of people i watched that one luke uh, I may have come back for an episode or two when they put the title on the line, when the flyweight men were there, but you know, I'm pretty much like I'm over this. Not that I, not that I, not that I'm, you know, picketing and saying the UFC should, if Dana thinks that this is just a legacy thing and he wants to fight to keep it going, go for it. ESPN plus would be, you know, is the perfect home for that, but I'm not going to lie. The idea of inserting McGregor back into this reality, uh, cocoon that they go into this reality show cocoon in the house and the gym i'm kind of interested luke because his mind is seemingly all over the place based on the accusations and the incidents that keep popping up 
he's going to do exactly what he's expected to do, I believe, which is not resurrect, but give that show a shot in the arm for casual fans to want to go, oh, shit, McGregor's back. Let's, you know, let's tune in. Let's see this. And I think because he's been so all over the place since that last Poirier fight in terms of the glimpses he gives us publicly, I think that fuels a, a few things. My interest on an almost morbid level of watching it mixed with the idea of can inserting him back into the fight world on this immersive level where there's going to be trash talk, where there's going to be, like you said, coaching and some, like the real fighter in him is going to be challenged and come out again. I wonder if that's exactly what he needs to create whatever is the best available version of him left at this point with all the miles injuries and everything added on. So I actually don't hate that Luke. Do you think it'll actually make a dent ratings wise though? I think, I think it will. How could it not? It's not yeah, like Connor has his own dent. weekly Connor show. A big, you know? It'll make a dent. It'll make a dent. Uh, Connor McGregor, and it's on ESPN plus. So, you know, whatever the metric is in terms of how they measure views and, and, and whatnot. Yes, of course, adding McGregor and adding Tony probably will help a little bit too. And then the combination of them together. Yes, that's fine. I mean, there's just a 0% chance I'm going to watch. And it's not even like a protest or like, I'm, it's not like it's power slap. It's just, it is boring. I don't care. I, it doesn't do anything for me. Of I have 24 hours in a day. I just cannot imagine from what my priorities are spending any time watching that but yes it certainly I mean there's just no denying and if you want to watch it out there by all means watch it i'm not going to get in the way i'm not going to do a power slap thing or you say you shouldn't watch it but it is not for me i, I couldn't imagine sitting down to, to watch it. i think the only miss is that any feel of like a real rivalry between them it's gonna feel a little forced i feel like right like you know tony yeah, might well, get into some... especially from tony right like especially from tony where it's like all the things he threatens to do in a fight it's like yeah, I do think he'll be able to do some of that, but it's not like the guy from 2016 or something, 2017, whatever. I, I have to go back and look at his peak year, but um, you know, when he was out there just absolutely dominating and crushing people, we're we're past that now, and so I think some of that might get in the way. But honestly, if you're a Tony fan or you're a Connor fan, you'll probably be really really happy to see this. So yeah, I think it'll be it, this will be certainly on the ESPN Plus era. I don't know how many they've done on that, maybe one season. It will this one will do a lot better than the last one. Of that, I can be quite confident. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in terms of, you know, look, you give Connor this close-up, I think it means UFC believes, and you give him this level of matchmaking, I think it believes, UFC believes that they want to still do monster things with him, and they believe he can at least pull it off to show up to the dance. So let's say he wins this, Luke, and there is a fork in the road matchmaking-wise in terms of is Connor going the direction of Nate Trilogy, Jorge Cashout, or is he going the other way, which is them using a highlight real finish potentially mixed with the idea of Connor's just a big enough star and a two division champion. Hey, we could cut a lot of people in the line of, of the title paths in multiple divisions and just blow shit up. I mean, look it, like, is there fear in your eyes that he blows away Tony in round one and then he's being groomed to fight Islam Mahachev for the welterweight title? Sure. Sure. I mean, I don't have fear would not be the right way to describe how I feel about it. Um, uh, inevitability might be a better one. You know what okay. I mean? Like if Thanos gets the Infinity Stones, he's gonna snap. I mean, that's sort of how I look at it, right? Like if he gets a dominant, crazy win, cowboy-esque or something, some kind of spectacular KO, there's simply no denying they're probably gonna give him either a welterweight shot or a lightweight shot, whatever one makes the most sense at that point. Absolutely, not a doubt in my mind. Mm -hmm. That's what they do, Luke. That's what they do, and you know what? Like it, just, it, just, it works. Just go it ahead works. and get ready for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't act surprised. If you don't like it, you can say as much. That's fine. 
But I'm gonna be honest. Be your, what do you mean? I'm gonna be more upset if if Edwards beats Usman, and then they're grooming Jorge for that title shot. I'd be more yeah. upset than that than even Connor going for a third title against Mahajev. I really would. I'm serious. I really yes. would. Yeah, I would actually be much more upset with that. But um, but yes, like just just get ready because if he goes in there and blows, if, and again, if they make the fight, I'll blah blah blah. But if it gets to that point, they're 100% going to fast track them, like inevitable. Luke, my buddy over there at uh, MMAI, MMA Analytics on Twitter, who's putting out that multi-part series on uh, MMA management and the connection to UFC fighters and the connection to Dana and all that, that's been very eye-opening, uh, you know, looking at both uh, the the Contender Series setup, uh, Jason House, and and now on to onto the regional promotions that, that have landed on Fight Pass. I, I uh, you know, push anyone to check that out. But Luke, Tony and Connor getting joined up for this and getting the reality show treatment. These are two paradigm products. Am I am I right or wrong on that? This is a big Correct. win for Audi Guitar uh, and company, right? I thought, is Tony both with Paradigm? I thought Tony was with Gary V. Am I wrong oh, about that? Oh, I, I was checking in with you on that. I don't follow that those relationships. As, I mean, that's something like... I care about this whole manager connection now based on certain things it could mean in the larger picture, but I tend not to get as hyped up in terms of who's repping who, Luke, unless they've joined one of the super teams. No, he left but... Paradigm to join with Ballingy, um okay. in 2019. So that certainly removes that from the discussion. But, you know, either way, it's it's, it's going to hit big, man. Um, is that an international fight week main event? Is that what we're doing here? It's Conor McGregor, bro. Do I need to tell you that? Okay. It's Conor McGregor. Thank you. you know. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, that's topic one in the books of uh, some coming attractions. Uh, how about some potential other coming attractions on topic two surrounding one of the most dangerous men in the game today? Alex Pereira. Potan, as they call him, Luke. OK, uh, he's your middleweight champion after stopping Israel Adesanya in round five. Uh, I don't know. Are we building to that or what? Alex talked to MMA Fighting about a potential May return. And here are the quotes. Uh, May would be perfect. I see these two guys. Adesanya was a dominant champion, so he has the preference to be competing for the belt again. But if he doesn't want that, it will be Whitaker. I don't think they'll put someone else in other than Whitaker. He already said his game doesn't match well with Adesanya, but would be a good fight with me. So I'll be ready for both. I won't do anything to hurt Adesanya's plans and avoid this fight. If that's what he wants, we'll fight. If for some reason he doesn't want to fight me, that makes no difference to me. It'll be Whitaker instead. And if Whitaker doesn't want it, there are several others that do, end quote. Now, Luke, on the idea of several others, we'll get to Jamal Hill in a second. But in terms of, of Poetan coming back, making that first title defense, do you believe the UFC owes Adesanya that, that right of first refusal on the immediate rematch because of the reign he had, the history between them, or is it better business practice to let Izzy recover on his own time and you have an all-time great under your under your roster and Robert Whitaker, who just as well could be champion if they do this? Yeah, it's, I would say it depends on a couple of things. One is what they like what what kind of vision do they have for the future of this division? And who do they see on top of it? What kind of a market do they want to massage? Do they want to massage the Australian oceanic market and therefore give Robert Whitaker a chance again or whatever? Like there's lots of ways. They could be looking at that. And I'll say this. No one, like, automatically deserves a rematch. There's no rules around this. Like, deserving is, you know, uh, which once you reach some kind of threshold and now they're obligated. They're not obligated to, to Izzy. But what I would say is, to the extent that anyone has a case, he does. Right? We're talking about a guy who was a long-reigning champion who, in that weight class, that was his first defeat, uh, quite literally. 
he was winning that fight handily up until he just wasn't. Um, he was, you know, uh, they have history together. Um, he'd be ready. Like he doesn't need time off. If anyone, if anyone is deserving of that opportunity, it is most certainly him. Um, I don't know whether he wants it. I've not spoken to him. I don't know where his head is at. Seems like he probably would. And the UFC is in a great position because if he doesn't, they can go right to Whitaker. And I think that's a much t- uh, it, stylistically, stylistically, that's a tougher fight for Pereira. So um, it's a lot of fun in either direction. It really, uh, you know, the case for Izzy is not hard to make. It's just a question of what everybody wants here. And that part remains to be seen. Doesn't it, outside of Izzy, and I don't know his attitude, but if I'm going to guess, I know Izzy's attitude. He, he'll be right back in and wanting this fight. I thought he said the right things after the loss, particularly to Ariel Hawani and MMA fighting, even if some people thought he he sounded delusional. You know, I get I get that, that label, but I think overall, I got where he's at. I think he's in a good place. So does this not come down to what the UFC believes could be the bigger payoff in the long run immediately, which is potentially either... Uh, a fourth fight here between Adesanya or if you do the Whitaker fight, which would be big enough, Whitaker versus the champion right now would be big enough. But if Whitaker wins that now you're making the idea of Adesanya versus Whitaker three, which as we speak right now, Luke, it's not neat. It's not like overly necessary. I, you know, I wouldn't hate it. I'm a big Whitaker guy. I love it. There's still a lot of history at stake between them. The second one was competitive and if not even disputed to some level on the scoring, but if that's done with Whitaker as the champion, dude, that trilogy is like legendary and massive and all those things. How much is the UFC thinking about exactly that equation? Like the idea that Poetan versus Adesanya three, four, five, that, it's always going to be there anyway. So do we F around and try to see if, uh, if Whitaker can capitalize right now and make that fight even bigger than any fight involving Pereira could be? Don't know. I don't know how big that fight would be and from a pay-per-view perspective. Uh, the the truth of how big it would be would be only to put it somewhere in Australia or New Zealand and to see how big it does at the gate or what kind of hold it has on that particular market. It would do well on pay-per-view, obviously. Um, I, and I realize what you're talking about is something a little bit more significant, which is middleweight history, trilogy history, you know, that sort of a thing. And yeah, there would be something lost there. I don't think that they're really... I, 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 I don't know that they're thinking of it in these kinds of terms. You're right that they have options either way. So if Izzy takes it and win or lose, Rob gets the winner of that, which means you can get Rob versus Alex fresh matchup, or you can get the trilogy after that point, which is kind of interesting, or you can do. Yeah, but it wouldn't mean as much if Robert doesn't have the belt, it would mean a lot more if he did. That's the distinction there. Look, you know, it would be, it would be different in that way that now you the roles would be reversed and you know um, there's a lot that you could be said for that. That's true. But you're asking if they're like trying to coordinate or, you know, kind of steer a little bit and see what happens, but kind of steer in that direction. I don't know that they're steering in that direction. And I tend to think that like, again, I don't know what the champion's thinking, but just having seen the decisions he's made previously, I would imagine he would want to fight Pereira next, whether it's for the title or not. Like that is just the guy that, that the you know, you could say what you want about Izzy. He didn't run from any contender, dude. No, he, didn't he wants the smoke. Any, dude, he wants he, it he all. all. He always wants the smoke. And so for that reason, I think that in the end, they're just going to put Pereira up there and then we'll see what happens from there. Look, the only thing you could ever say about Adesanya that's largely negative, and I think even that is subjective is the whole idea of once he's got somebody figured out he may not go for the finish as willingly or recklessly as the the mainstream hardcore fan would want him to and that's not even fully true and i know but i'm saying even if that is true in your eyes based on your belief set 
you're still like, so what? That that says nothing about you know his toughness, his willingness to fight the best, all that. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It, it's also know? it's also this like having now seen some fighters retire and see what they do afterwards. Yes. The, let me just tell, tell you something. Izzy's style is going to age very well. When he's done fighting, it looks to me like he's going to have most of his faculties intact. And then you're going to see it's like, wow, he won all those titles. He made all that money. He beat all those guys. And he still has his brain health. Like the full judgment of how he fights can't even be rendered until he is 45 and then 55. Let's see how he looks then. And I've got a feeling he's going to look a lot better than people who fought in a style that maybe the fans of today loved much more, but they're not going to have shit to show for it like he is when he's at that age. So just want to point that out there. Looks like take that attitude of power slap where it belongs. Uh, Luke, quickly before we bring in the Jamal Hill side of this, some things are connected right now. That Brazil card, which was the return, and you know, first time in three years, UFC 283, wasn't packed. We find out because of the inflated ticket prices. Then we saw that play out in real time when the upcoming UFC London pay-per-view uh, tickets were released. And uh, apparently, Luke, it's reported that the worst seat in the house is four. What was it like four hundred ninety-seven dollars American or something like that? Something you know, something very almost absurd, yeah, almost five hundred. You know, with the ringside seats being like the seven eight thousand. Now look. Um, in terms of the highest end of boxing, they they do that all the time. That's why the biggest fights in the game, in boxing in particular, end up in Vegas because they can charge exorbitant prices, almost Super Bowl level prices. So I'm not making, I'm not pointing the finger in that regard, but I'm trying to frame this news in a larger sense. We all agree, and John Nash and those type of guys have done great at, at kind of teaching us if we didn't know better that the ESPN deal changed the UFC's true mission when it comes to booking fights not so much about the big pay-per-view or consistently big pay-per-views but more about filling out the requirements of the the ridiculous contract to get you know their, their main operating money from espn and just being consistent across the board um but how much is the local gate the idea so when we did talk about that well hey that's you know to be fair Pereira against Adesanya or Whitaker is big for the Oceanic region if they decided to go there. Um, how much do you think the, the the focus is now because it's been taking off, building up pay-per-views to extreme levels is focused more on like the city. And, you know, they're going to London and doing monster gates and now charging a, a shit ton. M maybe this is more the direction on how they maximize their profits even more aggressively. Right. I mean, that seems to be it. Booking, you know, booking guys at home like Volkanovski against Mahachev in Perth, right? Go, you know, really trying to commit to that. Do you see any correlation there? Uh, maybe some. I think partly they wanted to get out of the United States now that some of the travel restrictions post-pandemic or whatever state we're in you know, have been largely dropped. I think that's a big part of it, especially in markets that have not been nurtured as well as they would have hoped in the last couple of years. But I just think in terms of their overall revenue, you know, even if they were even in these exorbitant prices, the gate is not a huge chunk of it. I don't really think like, oh, let's just see if we can maximize money from the gate because this is, you know, not that it's not important. It's very important. But as like a major chief revenue driver, I don't think it does that. Uh, I just think ticketing prices in general, whether it's sporting or music events, have gone through the roof and they can sell at these prices. And then they Yes, they they squeeze out a lot of like the true dyed in the wool fight fans. But if people are going to pay for it, why is the UFC not going to charge it? They're going to charge it now. To your point, in Brazil, it didn't so much work. Let's see what happens in London. You know, if they if people listen, if they can charge asshole prices and then assholes pay for it, 
I don't know what to tell you. Like we yeah. get squeezed out, but that's the business world. And that's and look, UFC is very good at business and endeavor, endeavor, you know, driving the ship as well. So they're gonna they've already shown they are going to in, in you know try to max out every single category and get everything possible. But man, I, I don't know what that does long term. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But you know, you don't love it for the common fan, but that's business, Luke, at the end of the day. And um all right. Well, here's potential big business. Before we get to the quotes here, Luke, I do want to throw to the video. So let's set the stage here. UFC 283, Glover Teixeira loses to Jamal Hill. We're, we're set up to do the announcements. It's the end of the fight. And Poetan's in the corner, of course, of Pajeda. I'm sorry, of, of um, Glover. And here's a little look at the stare down and the up and down full profile look that Pereira gave to him, which... You know, Luke, in some ways, that's just two tough alphas in the cage at the same time. It's bound to happen. But, you know, there is connections here with Glover, who's like a father figure to Pereira, a coach, all that. Uh, here's what Poetan said, commenting on Jamal Hill's Instagram. I heard Prohatska is injured. What about knocking me out? Uh, so Hill's response on Ariel Hawani's show was shit what's popping like we can get that cracking if he wants to come on up and try his luck with that shit come on me i'm not scared of nobody i take the challenge very seriously it gives me incentive to fuck you up i think that what he that's what he was mentioning it was an old clip i think i was with james lynch and i was asked about a fight between us and i said i think i'd knock him out you know what i mean and i do i mean i ain't like i didn't say that shit i said that shit if he feels some type of way about it then show me i'm in the show me business now, Luke Poetan like has two all-time great middleweights in front of him that he has to fight, but there is a storyline connection. They just eyed each other. We got quotes back and forth. Now, is there any way this is actually in conversation to do yet another champion versus champion one, but one that would be all action and one that I think you could talk yourself into, right? You could talk yourself into it. I don't know. I think people are somewhat, I mean, here's the thing about Alex Pereira, like, he beat Izzy, and that was pretty incredible because no other middleweight could do it without multiple tries. So you can't take it away from him. But he does have a very underdeveloped MMA game, number one. Like the idea that he's just going to go up there. Maybe he could be Jamal Hill because of the particular style matchup. We'll get to, I'll talk about that in just a second. But this idea that like he's going to hold the belt at middleweight. Like, I'm sorry, if he fought Robert Whitaker, I'm picking Whitaker. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. But at light heavyweight, I, you know, there's I think there's plenty of guys who would beat him. Um, as well uh, the other part too is bc it's like dude don't forget izzy stung him in their uh, was it the second fight really badly he got the he got the eight count and then in the third fight he rocked him in the first round remember that he had yeah. him with two big shots and he had him like he this. almost stopped it's him. Like, it's like yeah. dude i gotta tell you like the izzy is a very uh he does have good power he's got great accuracy and amazing timing but he's not like a huge power punching guy Jamal Hill has very good power. I, you know, it's like, again, I, it's not to say that I don't think Alex Pereira could beat him. I think he could. I think that's on the table, BC. But if he's getting rocked by Izzy at 185, Jamal Hill would rock his shit just as bad, if not True. worse, up 20 pounds. So, like, the idea that, like, oh, because he's such a great striker from glory, that would translate up a division against this in another sport. Yes, he's going to do well. Listen to what I'm saying. He's going to do well no matter what. But... I would not be nearly as confident in his uh, chances as I think as some of his other boosters might be. Right. And the, the knee-jerk response would be, well, he was a two-division champion in glory, including light heavyweight, and yes. he is about yes, he that was. life. And the potential issues that he would have 
particularly when it comes to wrestling, wouldn't really factor too much into this matchup anyway, even though in Not theory against, against bigger yeah. guys, it's going to be a problem no matter what against bigger guys. But yeah, I don't know. It's like you could just, here's the, here's the thing though. You, I don't think you can justify it in the middleweight title picture was my main point in teeing it up to you. But could you justify it in the light heavyweight title picture, which is already a mess? We're already not really sure who should be next. Prohaska can't come back until at least like August in a best case scenario. So could you justify it at 205 if this happened? It would have to be a very unusual set of circumstances. Like the, the thing about this is like if you're going to do these champion champion fights, you need some kind of reason for it. And when I mean some kind, I mean it can really vary widely in need or timing. One, um, the two guys have a huge rivalry, and for some reason it would make sense, especially with how, whatever the state of their respective divisions are in. There's not an obvious contender or something. That's one. Number two, it would do enormous business, right? Like, oh, my God, we put these two guys together. It would just blow up into something even bigger than what it ordinarily would be. Three, you need to do it for pound-for-pound pound, uh, consideration, like we have with Volkanovsky and Makachev. Like, all of those reasons would be pretty good reasons to do them. Not one of them applies to Jamal Hill versus Alex Pereira. The fight yeah. itself would be great, but how many champion versus champion fights could you make that would suck? Not many, not a whole lot. Like all of them are going to be pretty. I mean, they're fucking champions for crying out loud. But we're, we're talking like, about a guy. They're going they're to two be guys good. just won the title. Both guys yeah, yeah, just exactly. won the title. They you just know, won the title. There's an obvious contender at 185. Two yeah. obvious contenders at 185. It just doesn't make. It's a fine fight. I'm not saying otherwise. And Pereira could win it. It, there's just no need for it. I, I only really like it because of the juicy Glover angle and they then have Glover as the coach right back in there. I mean, look, I fall for that pro wrestling bullshit. That's why even the you idea see. of Connor versus no, that's why even the idea of Connor versus Islam with Habib in the corner, I'm like, okay, there is part of me. That's going to be into that. There just is. Yeah. But right. Dude, how about, how about this? I mean, this guy threw 10 fights. Imagine if they made it next, right? For whatever reason, they just made it next. This guy threw 10 fights would be a champ champ in the UFC having beaten his long-term kickboxing rival and then gone up a weight class to avenge his MMA guru slash leader guy or whatever, like, you know, his trainer, his coach, his mentor really is really the guy you could say his mentor. Uh, to do all that in 10 fights, that's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard, you know, or roughly 10 fights. I have to go double check what it would be. Something insane. Well, look, if we end up with, you know, the idea of Jamal Hill and his first defense against a returning Prohatska, that's probably what works best for everybody. I'm willing to wait to the summer. I think, though, Mikey, do we have the video response, which we referenced on Wednesday show, but didn't have it coiled up? If you remember, Prohatska was in the woods after Jamal Hill's win and said, I'm coming. He was very aggressively coming. Oh, we don't have the video response. But, Luke, Jamal Hill's uh, comeback was uh, was That's was two hilarious. shows you've brought that up now. I'm I'm over two on having the videos, but that's okay. That's my fault. I didn't prepare properly. Luke, let's go to topic three. Uh, speaking of another person who stumbled into champ champ opportunities and we argued whether it was too much too soon. How about this report? Uh, April 8th, UFC 287 in Brooklyn. Aljamain Sterling reportedly could be headed toward a title defense with Henry Cejudo, which has been talked about for a long time now, but Ali El Abdelaziz, of course, the manager of Henry Cejudo, did tweet out against the report that it was fake news. Do we remember who the source of this report, Luke? Do you remember? Off the uh, top no, here? I'll double check here, though. Um, I, you know, right. wasn't I mean, it wasn't like you know Brett directly from from you know Dana or anything or Ariel. You know, it, I think it was a little bit on the uh, periphery of the of the MMA. Galaxy, it's from MMA but... fighting. No, no, no. Algerman's oh, no. Oh, that's, that's okay. That's from the, the, the actual uh, horse's mouth. All right, Luke. MMA fighting. Yeah. There it is. 
Uh, uh, so yeah, look, so th- I, I can tell you that like they they double checked that probably before they reported it, so it's probably pretty good. So we know this is inevitable, but if you line this up in April in Brooklyn, and you consider uh, you know that March card with John Jones coming back and Valentina, and oh by the way, I don't think that Nunes Aldana fight it might end up happening on that card. That seems to still be up in the air, but that's a monster card. We got London coming up. Uh, you know, things Dude, are coming talk- together. Aren't they talking about Raquel Pennington fighting Aldana in San Antonio for a five-round main event? Yes, they are, Luke. Yes, yeah, they are. I don't know. So, sure uh, that one. so that original report was wrong, it seems. But Luke, Sterling Cejudo, if that's your April close-up in New York City in Brooklyn there, uh, how, how fired up are you? Love it. I, okay, love it is the answer, right? Like, this is the fight I wanted to see the most. I... I have been very much against the idea, very conditionally, about Cejudo fighting Volkanovski because he's been gone for a while. The last one was over Dominic Cruz. The division has certainly changed a lot even since he was last actively competing. Let's see what he's got now at 135. Let's actually see what he's got in this division. And then if he looks as good as he says he is, fine. After that, you can go fight whoever the hell you want. I, I would I, if, if Volkanovski loses to Makachev, but... Um, Zahudo looks amazing against Sterling. I'll be the first one to say, let's make that fight. I would love to do that. Fine. But I want to see where he's at. The only thing I really, I just don't understand about all of this is Sterling was very clear that it was going to take uh, some time off to heal some long-term injuries that he's had that have been difficult to heal. And he just, he needed to do it. And he, like the time frame was he could be back around June or later. And now we're talking about a significantly expedited timeline relative to that. Did he get like pressured into it? Is he still going to push off the injury healing? Did he heal faster? There's some sort of parts of this that just I don't really have a good answer to because I'm going to say this. If he's going to take this fight in a compromised state, man, you know, I don't know what the right answer is. Do you take it for whatever reasons the UFC might have offered you? Like, here's the other part, too. 287, I think, was originally supposed to be in Florida, and now they're talking about Brooklyn, which means this is probably as close to a hometown fight as Sterling is going to get which is a big deal. I like that the UFC is going to guys' hometowns more. They're going to Leon Edwards' hometown. They're going to go to the home country anyway of Alex Volkanovsky. Now they could be putting another champ in his hometown or certainly very close. That's what I'm telling you. They're going after that live gate, Luke. They want to max out the live live ass gate. I think you're right that they do want to maximize it, but I don't think that's like a substantive way in which in the overall portfolio of how they generate revenue, it's not a major driver. I think you're right about that, but perhaps for slightly different reasons, like that money might be allocated for different expenses, not as like, hey, we can really change our fortunes this way. In any case, I love the fight, BC, but it gives me some concern about the health and readiness of the champion And that gives me a lot of concern because if he's not ready for this one, I don't want to hear anything after the fact about what might have slowed him down. Conversely, that doesn't necessarily give us the best read possible on how Cejudo could look and the implications of a win or a loss here are significant. So that part to me gives me a little bit of pause. Okay, well, I have a larger question on the division and the direction here. So we already know that Cheeto is going to fight Sanhagen coming up and Marab is going to fight, uh, who was he announced against, Luke? Peter Yan. Peter Yan. Peter Yan. So those are the major players, not counting Sean O'Malley. We don't have a fight for him at the moment, right? No, not that I'm aware of. So I, I thought the recent news of, uh, like, look, I thought you could have gone O'Malley versus uh, Cheeto, too, and even put some kind of interim unnecessary labor on, label on it, and they didn't go that way. So I thought that was opening the doors for either O'Malley versus uh, Aljamain straight up or even O'Malley versus Cejudo for an interim title. Uh, what does this tell you about what we're doing here? 
Maybe that's know. why Ali said it's fake news, Luke. Maybe it is fake news, okay? Maybe we just wasted some time, all right? I don't, I don't think so. I think if MMA Fighting reported it, it didn't say that it was a done deal. It said it's being targeted. So yeah, that's targeted. Uh, yeah, it yeah. means they're working towards it, and they're that's an active suggestion, and they want to see if they can make it happen. I would believe the MMA Fighting report over a manager's denial, personally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a track record in general there. Uh, yeah, all right. Hey, Luke, topic number four on this Friday. We got some other recent fight news, some good ones here. Hey, uh, Benil Darius. Here we go. He says UFC is trying to book him versus Charles Oliveira in May. And we have a video here to accompany this uh, thing this I've, claim. Been, I've been having with Charles. The UFC originally was like, hey, what do you think about fighting him in Brazil? Which was like a couple of weeks ago, I think, or it was last week. I don't know. And I was like, uh, can I get a little bit more time? It turns out my MCL was torn. I didn't know it was that bad. So. From the fight with Gamrot. Uh, it was before the fight. But it wasn't like it wasn't like super bad. I just had to wear a knee brace, and I was like, "Hey, you know, I got it checked out. It's actually torn, so I, I'd like to just start my camp fresh. Can I have a little bit extra time? So can we do February?" And they said, "Okay, yeah, we'll do February." February turned into March. March turned into April, and now they're talking about May. That is the schmo providing that content, Luke. I, first of all. Old Benny is just going with like the full on trickier. I kind of look washed, don't I? Thing when we all know he's entering, you know, the peak moment of his career here. Uh, I love that he's just giving up with the gray there. I mean, it's very Luke Thomas like. I, you know, it's noble. It's very noble, Luke. You know, us that don't have that same level of self confidence end up looking like we got into a fight with a box of shoe polish. Yeah, <laughs> and, and but I didn't lose it. I'll tell you that I won that fight. Uh, Luke, uh, what do you, what do you think here? I mean, this is the best thing they could give Darius. That's not a title shot in my mind. I got asked this yesterday about whether or not he should take this fight. And usually under circumstances like this where guys are not getting the timeline that they want, either it's too slow or it's too fast. And, you know, you're already done a lot. Do you really want to risk it against someone else kind of big? A lot of times I would say don't risk it. In this case, I'm going to say risk it, right? In this case, I think he has to. It, you know, if we have Conor McGregor coming back to potentially then we don't know he could fight at 170 it's all up in the air but i mean there's sort of two factors here that stand to me number one conor mcgregor could be coming back to 155 and if he beats tony i'm sorry benil it doesn't even matter it almost doesn't matter who you beat at that point they're not going to give you a title shot next it's just not the way that it's going to go um now you might be saying well that would be incentive to not take the fight but i actually feel like if this is the second part if you're going to take the john fitch road to a title shot you have to understand you have to do something really spectacular in the cage to get that. And by the way, there's downsides to it because once you get it, they're not going to give you another one again. And it's not really fair to say that like he's a John Fitch guy because John Fitch's fights weren't necessarily always that exciting. Benil's are reliably pretty good in that way. However, what we're talking about here is no promotion basically outside of it, not trying to base your fortunes in any way on an identity that the fan base can rally around and then buoy you to more you know, uh, prestigious assignments or potential fights or opportunities. You have to do everything in the cage. Dude, you, if you want a title shot and you're Benil Dariush and you want to leave it to as little chance as possible, you have to do something spectacular. You have to do something very, very high in achievement. You have to beat Charles Oliveira or something pretty approximate to it. And there's not many other names you could put next to his that would be of similar value. And it's high yeah. risk, high reward. I get it. I understand, BC. But I don't think if you're Benil Darius, you can like wait around and see how oh, the no, you goes. Go. You have it's to your go. time. 
they gave you a chance to, you know, to, to come to the party, you know, you, with the cool kids, like you got it, you got to take your swing. You got to go for it. And I said, it's the best thing he could get outside of a title shot, really outside of like a McGregor or Masvidal or Nate type of like crossover action fight. Yeah. Separate from anything of that in the critical sense and what it seems like he's really all about, which is finding out how great he can be. I have a lot of respect for Darius and how he carries himself and, and, and how he gets himself amped up for these fights. You got to take this fight, and I think he will, and I think that's what he's all about. So let's find out, Luke. I mean, Bilal Muhammad is almost in a spot in a different division where it's like, okay, let's find out if you're in this group. Let's find out how great you are. Let's do it. You know, I want to. I want to. What are the odds? What are the odds going to be when they announce that fight if they make it? At the uh, open, it's Oliveira minus two fifteen. It's a little high. It's a little and high. What, what you think it should be closer? I think it's like Oliveira minus 180, like plus 120-ish. Well, did you see, not that this factors into that, but didn't you see the quotes from Charlie? uh, It might have been to Ariel where he says, you know, like people are over being too harsh about the one-sided nature of that performance. It's basically 10 bad minutes he had. And, you know, look at the run he was on. I mean, I guess this plays more into a question to you. Do you see, like... was the run Charles Oliveira on, which needed some levels of, I don't want to say luck because he made his own luck, but it needed some levels of like, I'm taking big risks here, right? Like hopefully it goes my way. And it did. The run was incredible. You can fall off a cliff though, after a run that intense, could he maintain this Luke on this level? I mean, he's always a a finishing threat, but you know, what are your expectations for a returning Oliveira in that regard? I expect him to still be very good, and I expect him to still get some big wins. Whether he beats Darius or not, I'd have to think about it more. Again, I would favor him to win, but it'd be very close and competitive. And yeah, he had 10 bad minutes against Islam. He had 10 bad minutes because Islam made him have 10 bad minutes. That's why, you know. I mean, let's just go back to everything he said pre-fight leading up to that one about his readiness and having his team there, and the champion has a name. Like, he went into that one full of confidence. He had his own balloon inflated, and Islam went in there with a needle and popped it. Let's just be very clear about that. He had 10 bad minutes because another guy made him have 10 bad minutes. He didn't have an off night mentally. He didn't have all these guys have injuries, but no, nothing really substantial that we're aware of limiting him. He just got beat by a better guy. Benil Dariush, maybe is not Islam Makachev. Okay, fair enough. But he is damn good. And the idea of him winning is would be in no way surprising. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, and, uh, you know, what is Charles Olive going to be? Exactly who he is. Like, full-on danger. I don't think he's going to change his style. I just wonder if he can keep up that level of spectacular things going his way. Uh, how about this for a fight? Alexander Romanov, who we thought, you know, from especially from a ground game sense, could be this new interesting heavyweight on the rise. Then he gassed out and took that L. Dude, deep end of the pool alert. March 11th, UFC Vegas 71. Alexander Romanov is going to welcome Alexander Volkov. Uh, wow, Luke, we're going to find some things out here. Like this is, we're going to find out which Alexander is truly great. And the dad joke, uh, bingo. If you had that one, you win. But, uh, you know, wow, Luke, right? You like Thanks. this? Uh, I like it because I like Romanov, uh, although he's got some issues to work on. But it's a little bit surprising that they're giving him someone in the top 10, like, I'm just surprised, right? Let me verify something here. Let me look at something. I mean, I, uh, you know what? I guess I understand why they gave him the fast track on this one a little bit. Even I mean, though he got look, the Ty, Tybura, Tybura was just the fight. beat Romanov. 
And he's, he's yeah. So it wasn't boy. a stoppage. It was a majority decision loss to Marcin Tabura. But it, that showed us that Romanov was not yet ready for prime time. And now we got a better matchup. Not better in terms of chances of winning, but like a more prestigious, higher ranking. Like I think of Volkanov as sort of the first guy in that upper group, right? He's that guy you got to get past. Yes, and I'm just pointing out, like Tabura just beat him, and now they're going to give him uh, Blagoy Ivanov, who's sitting at 15. Romanov is sitting at 13, who just lost, and they're going to give him Volkov at eight. I was like, I don't hate the fight. Please don't misunderstand me. And by the way, Romanov could very well win that one. It's like these guys are all, there's a level of parity there, despite what the ranking position might be. But I guess they're just like, yeah, we know you lost, guy, but uh, we still have some hopes for you. Tybora, we kind of know what we have. We're just going to move on past him. I don't know how else you explain it. Uh, Luke, quickly, that that up, I agree with you. In that upcoming Piotr Jan fight uh, is not is going to be in Vegas, but not at the Apex. That's a fight night main event and a great one, right. by the way. But that's going to be at the Virgin uh, Hotels, the old Hard Rock there. Uh, is there anything there in that announcement in terms of how often in your eyes UFC is going to be looking to get out of the Apex? You know, which is kind of what we want them to for the for the crowd experience and how what that does to the fights. It's obviously uh, in some ways a, a more efficient investment to do it from the Apex, but then you lose the live gate. So. Uh, what do you think this means? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't exactly know. So they used to go to Hard Rock all the time when they had oh, yeah. WEC on Versus. Many, many of those took place at the Hard Rock, which to your point is off, or what was then the Hard Rock, which is off strip. Um, I've not been or to the Palms, particular. Luke. The Palms had like the same size the venue. They'd go well. to either they one. The, yeah. They had the Pearl at the Palms, which was also pretty small as well, and they would use that. I don't quite understand the i'd have to look into it more the math on why they sometimes go to these and sometimes don't um and what what are the what are the what are the reasons why they would uh, elect to go into another place in their own hometown when they have the apex versus not but you know it's that's, it's interesting that's jan against uh devolish wheelie is the fight i can't wait to see that uh luke how about this interesting uh twitter breakdown yesterday or breakout uh gilbert burns put out a tweet that essentially teased a monster announcement is coming and then jorge masvidal did the same exact thing one of them particularly tailoring the announcement to london in that upcoming pay-per-view so luke when i saw that i thought oh crap are they gonna fight each other on like the co-main of uh of leon edwards usman three and in theory you know the winner of that could be next uh then i thought maybe it was masvidal with with mcgregor in the tough house but that if that if tony ferguson is right on does this mean Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal are fighting each other? Because as much as I think Gilbert versus Colby is a great one to do, 
if Masvidal is really in this title picture, mostly because he has a connection to Leon Edwards, then damn right, I'd love to see him have to fight Gilbert Burns first to really earn that spot. Uh, I could be really down for this, really. I could be down for it too. Also, it gives the UFC the excuse of saying, hey, we'll put Gilbert versus Jorge on this London card. And if for whatever reason we need a backup for the main event, uh, for whatever happens, we can just slot Jorge right on in there. You know, yeah, like, well, right. it's just an emergency circumstance, right? Something like that. And, and you then, and get... then Tremont misses weight by seven pounds. And we're like, how did we get here? What happened? Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying you could get the three piece in the soda replay. You know, you get that again. Um, so it seems to me that like, there's a little bit of that going on. Okay. If that goes down, does that tell you Colby versus Hamza is imminent or no? Could, could Hamza be going to middleweight? Again, my understanding is Hamzat's next fight is going to be a middleweight. That's not 100%, but that is my understanding. So I just don't know how to count him right now. I, that's the part that's just unclear for me. Because remember, we're all like, oh, Gilbert versus Colby is the fight to make. Well, three months ago, it was Hamzat versus Colby. That was the fight to make. Yeah. But I don't know if he's going back to welterweight next. Let's see what he's up to, and then we can, I guess, figure out from there. Maybe Dana will be like, hey, Colby, if you want to fight again, I got a guy for you. His name is Shavkat Rachmanov. I'm sorry, but that's the only way. You know, like that's uh, that's the, it's the only fight we have for you. Sorry. So, yeah, good go. luck with that either way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, what do you think? Because because I was surprised that Gilbert was such like a minus 550 or whatever it was favored against Neil Magny. Turns out I was wrong in terms of the potential of a one sided, sm uh, you know, sm smash like that. Uh, what do you think the onset of Gilbert versus Jorge would bring odds wise? Minus three ish for Gilbert. I mean, do you give what what level of a chance do you give Masvidal based on what's left and you know what you saw against Colby? Uh, not much, not much. I think he could sur uh, survive, but in a three round contest in particular, Gilbert would just Gilbert's a better wrestler, I think, and a much better grappler. Although Jorge is good in both places, but I think Gilbert's a little bit ahead of him and would just kind of be all over him in a way that you know, like Demi and Maya was or something. You could just play that yeah. one back again, you know. You're not wrong, Luke. Let's go to topic five as we continue. Look, very efficient show out of us today, right? I think it's pretty good, that. too. I see that. You know? I see that. I think it's pretty good, too. Hey, topic five, we got a real fight card. It's a, it's a quiet weekend, a calm before the monster storms ahead. But this Saturday, London, how about a 3 p.m. Eastern main card start on ESPN Plus? And it's Arthur Betterbeef, one of the 10 or 12 or wherever you have them, you know, five or six best fighters in the land today. The 38-year-old unbeaten, unified, three of four belts at 175 pounds. This could be the final step toward it, uh, an undisputed championship out against Dimitri Bivol, which would be one of the biggest fights you can make in the sport this year. But Luke, we know Betterbeef, 18 and 0, 18 freaking KOs. Anthony Yard comes in as a big underdog. He's a puncher. You know, he he fought for a title before and pushed Sergey Kovalev late, a, a wash Sergey Kovalev ahead of that Canelo match, and uh, and he got stopped late. He's largely won since then, but you know, we're not expecting a ton. But he's got a puncher's chance. What are your expectations here for Better Beef in this mandatory showdown? I honestly think that the really the I, I did some tape study for this one because I'm actually pretty excited about this fight only in the sense that I like uh, Better Beef or Better Beef. I, I just love watching him fight. He's not the the cleanest technician, but he is one. He is one, and obviously a, a, a ridiculous athlete and a dynamic puncher boxer. Uh, really, 
just quite spectacular in that way. And as you mentioned, 100% finishing rate, the only champion in boxing who is that way. So to me, this is like very much appointment viewing. Listen, man, he's 38 years old. And at some point, father time has to catch up with him. But from what we've seen of him in recent fights, which have not been all that recent, but, you know, recent-ish, he's looked great. He's looked really great. He's been he's been dropped a couple of times, but then he rallied. I don't think in any fight where Better Beave has been dropped, it's gone past the fourth. He stopped it after that. Like, he's just that much of a punishing force. And the reality is this. Yard is a big puncher, but he's mechanically a little stiff. His footwork is a little bit all over the place. Um, he doesn't have great movement or slipping or defense. And for a guy like uh, Better Beef, who's just – people sort of call, to call him a come-forward brawler. That's not really true. He definitely puts pressure on you, but he actually works a little bit better countering. And I just think Yard is going to be like, listen, I'm a big puncher. Uh, any fight Yard has had that's gone past the 10th round, he's lost. Keep that in mind. Uh, Better Beef's power does not drop off. It carries late into fights. It just seems to me that if you're yard, you're going to try and win this one in the first six rounds. And he might catch Better Beef with a couple of good shots here or there. I'm not in any way excluding that. Okay, he's going to make it a war. He's going to make it a war. But it's yeah. not going to be enough. The, 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 the Canadian, the Chechen Canadian, is going to whoop up on him past six. So yard since that 2019 title loss to Sergey Kovalev, is six and one overall with six knockouts. The only loss was to unbeaten Lyndon Arthur. It was a split decision over 12 rounds. So, you know, could, 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 you know, something wacky happen. Yards got the, got the, the output to potentially do that, but better be too good, too tough. A lot of things. And dude, I was looking a little bit deeper. I wrote a, a feature on better beef on CBS sports this week, essentially saying like, look, you know, this, this year we know he's 38, but like this year could be, his everything year in terms of becoming a star in terms of undisputed champion. I mean, he really is one of boxing's best kept secrets, not talked about outside of the hardcore circles. Really not seriously. Luke, I think you've done some of the great, the best parading of sort of like, Holy shit, everybody else, you know, check this guy out, but that's almost by design in terms of who he is like, but he does have a chance this year if he beats yard. And then if we can build that B-ball fight quickly, like it's in conversation to be the pound for pound king. If he comes out of that as your undisputed champion and imagine if he keeps that knockout streak going, it's like, I think there's, there's no shortage of four fights that we could see in 2023 that could produce the next pound for pound king. Meaning in a ways, my, my pound for pound king right now, I got no issue. If you've got either Spence Crawford, some people have Fury or, or Usyk, and you can even talk into that too. You know what I mean? But like, that's really the, the core crew Canelo in, in the midst of that as well. But how about Usyk versus Fury? How about Inouye versus Fulton? This fight, Better V versus Bivol, and then obviously Spence Crawford. If we see it, you know, there's a chance for any for the best look, you know, the best finish out of that, right? But Luke, like, what if Arthur Better Beave, like finishes the course? Like, I don't know how long he actually wants to fight. He gives almost nothing in interviews to almost a comical level where I wrote about it this week. There was a great uh, story I shared with you that a British journalist wrote that like he's almost comically stoic. He speaks English. He's well-spoken, even though there is a, a bit of a language gap, but he, he knows what he's doing. But like he gives you nothing to deal with. He, uh, you know, the stories of him never traveling with a team, just on his own, never never looks excited. I mean, he is about business. But what if he goes in there and fights pound for pound ranked Dimitri Bivol if he wins this fight on Saturday? What if he knocks him out? And what if he just goes, you know, I'm 19-0 and 0 with 19 KOs. I'm the undisputed light heavyweight champion. 
peace. Good luck dealing with my with my legacy. Like what? Like what do we do with that? Right? Like holy shit, you know? I don't know what you do with that. I, I mean, I don't know what you do with a career that short but that dominant. And you could say like, well, who did he beat before this that had a big name? He's had to, he's had a couple of big names, but there's not a ton of them. But if you beat Bivol, and then at that point he has so correct me if I'm wrong, BC. Better BF has three of the titles. Bivol has one, so that means yes. he would unify 175. And then call it a day. And in this theoretical way, world you have constructed, not only would he be the unified champ, he would have knocked out everyone on the way to doing that. I don't know what you do with that. And it's that's, like, just, that's just pissing excellence. I don't know what you do with so that. So here's the reason ultimately why he's 38 and hasn't had like the biggest fight of his career yet. So he had a really good amateur career, like on the international world level. But he did lose in some of the biggest moments. He lost uh, at light heavyweight to Alexander Usyk, who obviously now the heavyweight champion. Uh, in the World Championships gold medal match. And then he also got eliminated in the Olympics uh, by Alexander Usyk. But, you know, he didn't turn pro till 28. Then he had to sit out almost two years to get out of his original uh, promotional deal with Yvonne Michelle. He did a one-fight deal with Eddie Hearn, and that didn't work out. Then he went to top rank, and then he missed, you know, almost a year and a half during the during the pandemic as well. So, you know, he doesn't fight all the time, but I think he has enough names you know, not to catapult him to some stupid, you know, where is he on your all-time list? But I just mean, like, is he an all-time great? I mean, he's knocked out viciously the contenders on the way up. He should have, like a divorce cloud, a Gabriel Campillo, like veteran guys. But when he got into his core key opponents in in acquiring titles, Callum Johnson was unbeaten when when Better Beef, you know, knocked him out. Alexander Vozdik was an unbeaten champion. And, you know, Better Beef retired him in that stoppage loss. And, you know, he's faced good, good, tough matchups in both Marcus Brown and then Joe Smith Jr., the last one in which he unified the titles the second time. And he's knocked those guys the hell out, Luke. Um, he's certainly a bigger puncher than he is a boxer. But the real key here is he's a completely well-rounded fighter and yes. he can do, you know, not technically perfect, but can win by boxing if he has to is, you know, dirt tough. And to your point, gotten up off the canvas before when he's had to. And, you know, the only time it was like that comeback from COVID. I was it against Adam Dennis. He looked human there. And I was like, okay, is he getting old? Go watch the Marcus Brown and the Joe Smith fights. He's not getting old. So I do wonder if he just is going to get to a point where he's like, did everything I came here to do. Luke, they did ask him this week if he would ever fight Usyk based on the amateur losses at heavyweight. And he said, no, Usyk's too big. So he just, you know, he knows his playground. He knows he's got a chance here to be the best, but he's got to get through yard to get there. Um, it's just so cool how, I mean, he's like stereotypical, like foreign bad guy in a movie. That's exactly, you know, and he's not a bad guy. He's just probably, you know, right. I don't know if he's a bad guy. I don't know anything about this guy. He doesn't open up that cupboard door. He's got very Fedor-like in that regard. Very Fedor. Well, he's Chechen, so Kadyrov is sort of close to him. Although, you know, it's in his case, he moved to Canada and he's become a Canadian citizen and he's friends with George St. Pierre, for folks who may not know that. Him and St. Pierre are tight. They've trained together many times. And, uh, you know, you wonder how much he can't get away from that uh, because he has Chechen roots and he probably has family back there. So I, I don't know what that's all about. But as a person beyond that, he just seems to be as focused and monastic as anyone you've ever seen in the fight game. I saw the weigh-in pictures with him in Yard. Yard is well-muscled and at 38, he's 31, at 38, Baterbiev or Betterbiev just looked, I mean, sh diced to the socks. So yeah. he looks like he's taking great care. Of, I mean, the guy's, has he ever had a sip of alcohol? Probably not, you know? I don't, Party I don't till know, three in the dude. morning? Probably not. Probably not. He doesn't seem to be about that life. He's just about, I mean, the, the interviews are, are they, like, they're comical. 
You know, I, I almost got him for Morning Combat, Luke. It's maybe a good thing I didn't because it would have been would have been like you and Fedor. I mean, really, it would have been, Luke. You tried. Dude, you tried. You definitely, you know, you tried. I know you're bitter hard. about that, but you shouldn't be because your interview would have been no better, just so you know. Well, you know, Luke, I've been known to, to pull some things out of things. Uh, but I will, uh, obviously, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. We need to plug our own stuff more. Uh, the Fedor Emelianenko resume review is live. So if you haven't checked that out, Please do so. It was a labor of love for Luke and I and our team. Mikey Morris behind the scenes, our extended team over there, Malka. Um, they people worked hard on this and uh and and I enjoyed it because you know I didn't live the pride life fight by fight. You know, I, I was I was more of a distant UFC fan at that time. So, dude, I got to live this in order, and that was that was as fun doing research as we've ever done in this segment because uh man, I miss those days, Luke, and I didn't even live it live, you know. Dude, to watch, it. I mean, you just I mean, if I said to you, oh, well, Fedor has, you know, physically lost a step, a significant one since his pride days, you'd be like, yeah, of course. But then when you go back and you watch him in his physical prime, you're like, holy shit, you forget just how much of a, I mean, incredible athletic presence. And frankly, how much of his game at that time relied on athleticism. I kind of was reminded of that. But, dude, he was such a terrifying force. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Go watch it. Uh, you can also check out my interview with one championship, Sage Northcutt, who's back almost a four-year break. We talk about life, growing up, all that stuff. What a what a what a polite gentleman, Luke. I mean, really, what else are you gonna say? I mean, he's almost awkwardly polite. He's he's a very nice guy, and I wish him well coming back uh, May fifth at when one championship makes. What do you think US his browser team. history is like? Now's the time to save thirty percent on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I don't know if I can judge him on that level, Luke, right? You know, I don't know. I mean, he's such a nice kid. He's married now, too, so so congratulations out to him. But anyway, Better Be versus Yard, Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. You can check that out from London. Better Be about a minus 900 betting favorite in, in most uh, that you see here. Uh, Yard's going to – he's probably going to go out in a shield, Luke, so we'll see it. We'll see it right there. Hey, Luke, real quick, I got a bonus topic six here of some quick hitters. Uh, look, we've been very critical of uh, Dana White's power slap league in a lot of ways. And, and look, tried to tell tell you from our heart, our true beliefs. But we're also here to report the news. And episode two of the road to power slap sort of tough model brought to this new sport did air on TBS last night. And it appears the, the overnight ratings have episode two up 40 percent. Uh, from the first episode, which you wondered if the first episode would get a big number out of morbid curiosity or if this controversy had either killed it or fueled it. Luke, how do you explain the the big-time turnaround here in week two? I'm told there was a difference in lead-in programming or that next week will be different as well. I don't quite understand the differences in the taxonomy of pro wrestling shows. I'll just say, let's see how it goes. There might Again, I was from the beginning, I was kind of, skeptical that it could work but agnostic because it's just hard to tell about fan preferences there might be an audience for it it's the dumbest fucking audience on planet earth but there might be one yeah um so you know i guess we'll have to see but i you know 
what else is there to say? Like we've told everyone we can tell about how moronic and bad it is. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to beat that drum again. I mean, at this you know. point, the choice is yours, folks. But I did want to report that that is a, a encouraging yeah, number. Not a great number, but 40% turn from, from a rough first week, especially with the big lead-in of AEW. So, Luke, there's no UFC card this week. They'll be back with a fight night card the following week, week I believe, with Derek Lewis and Spivak on top. But... So we're not going to get main card start on the East coast. 1am. Oh yeah. That's vicious. Uh, so we're not going to get like Dana at the Wednesday scrum or Saturday post fight. And obviously he didn't go to Brazil. I kind of feel like if the power slap league is going to survive by actually finding its audience and creating it, Dana talking less publicly actually supports this of happening because it keeps, it keeps more negativity out of the headlines. There's already a negative angle, rightfully so, you know, accompanying this in a lot of different ways. And we got one that we're going to get to in a second. But in terms of like, will this succeed or not on its own merits? Dude, Dana staying out of out of the public uh, headline space helps, definitely helps. Yes. And also, Power Slap is just like this black hole of press where it's like Skip Bayless. Say something nice about him, he loves it. Say something terrible about him, he loves it. Just as long as you're talking about him, that's all he really cares. Power Slap has sort of become that a little bit. All right, here's where the main issue, though, that we've shared at length, don't need to share it again, uh, is not just the grossness of the sport and the bad message, it seems, but I've said it, dude. The, the thing that's going to trigger me is going after UFC fighters, you know, X or, or even current that are on the way out. You shared that tweet, and we talked about it Wednesday show. Uh, it was Eric Spicely, the ex-UFC uh, fighter, mm -hmm. who was mm -hmm. offered two and two to join that. Um, our friend Mike Owens Media out there in Liverpool, Luke, who is working for um, – uh, what's the we'll, – we'll see the attribution there. Uh, what was that? The Middle Easy, Luke, he's doing his interview series on. He caught up with Eric Nixick, friend of the program and extreme couture head coach. Uh, let's throw to those comments right now regarding the slap league. You as the fighter have to understand that the risk reward, you know, we were offered, um, Taylor Gordado was offered a spot on this. And when they told me what the pay was, I'm like, this makes zero sense, zero sense for me to put this girl in this position. Now, if it was 15 and 15 and she was at a time in her career where she could, she can use the money and, and I would, I would present that to her. But the moment they told me that too, it was two and two for her. And I was like, I was like, Nick, like, I'm not, I'm not putting my girl in this, in this. And he actually like, he agreed with me. He's like, no, I understand. But I'm like, it makes zero sense for me to even ask her if she wants to go do this, right? To possibly get knocked out. And what does it do to your future of your brain health? And, your, and, and you know, where does that put you? How far does that put you behind with concussions? It just makes zero sense to me. You know, and, and, it's, and, and to me, it's like it's not hypocritical by any means when it comes to MMA because you have the option and the ability to block and slip and roll and catch and counter. Whereas this, you don't have that option. You're yeah. holding your hands behind your back and you're just waiting to get hit in the fucking head. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Okay, I love Nixick, who I respect, basically saying I'm not even going to offer that to my fight. I don't even want them to accept that. But Luke, the recruitment thing seems real, male and female here. They're going after anybody they can find. Also, they're using UFC matchmakers to do it. <laughs> I wish that's the part that made me like want to throw up in my mouth. Mick Maynard's calling you from the UFC saying we've got a power slap slot for your fighter who Luke, would you, where, where is Taylor Guardado fought PFL, a couple other places. Yeah. And she is out of extreme couture, obviously in Las Vegas. So she's, you know, an, a name ish fighter uh, that's currently not with the UFC, but like, yeah, Luke, that's who they're going after to round this out. And I don't know, dude, if you caught some of the characters that they're promoting. I saw it because the UFC account still puts them out. There's like some guy named one eyed something that they're, you know, 
that they're selling as a badass. And then there's other guy who calls himself slap Jesus. I mean, it's just like, it's what you would expect, Luke. It's really what you would expect, but Hey dude, I'm, I'm happy that there are people like, like Eric Nixon kind of holding the line at, at least and saying like, what are really, what are we doing here? But Luke, that's the news week two, big, big turnaround for Dana White and company. And also Luke, it's official. We knew Jake Paul was, was wanting to go in the direction here of a boxing return before the signed PFL MMA debut and take on Tommy Fury in England, February 25th. Here's what we found out. Yes, it will be uh, airing on ESPN plus pay-per-view but to take that even further, here's the somewhat surprising part. Jake Paul and MVP Promotions have agreed to sort of a co-promotional deal here with Bob Arum's top rank. So this will be on ESPN Plus pay-per-view, which in theory is going to be where Jake Paul's MMA pay-per-views are going to be under the PFL banner as he helps launch their Superfight pay-per-view league. Luke, how surprising are you that Bob Arum, of all people, has now taken part? Um... Well, top rank is, I don't quite understand the top rank connection. What are they servicing here that makes Bob Arum a part of this? They're, they have a co-promotional deal. I mean, top rank is, you know, the, the house promoter for ESPN, but it seems based on the way this was presented that, you know, they're going to use that same PR vehicle and, you know, and all that that goes with putting on that fight. And um, I, I bet he would never have done it you know, initially, but then you saw what Jake was able to do on Showtime pay-per-view and you can tell that it looks like a real pay-per-view. Um, obviously it was a real pay-per-view, but I'm saying like it had the feel, it wasn't like a affliction where it's like, I don't know if it's going to be here tomorrow. Like it's a relatively for now professional looking buttoned up scalable thing to again, how far you can scale it is somewhat debatable, but that you can go further with it, at least for the time being is, is quite real. So I think that's a big part of it. Tommy Fury is associated with uh, obviously Tyson Fury. So there's probably something of a connection there. It's a boxing match. He's not boxing an MMA guy, which I think maybe Bob probably would be somewhat loath to do. The more interesting part to me is that they're going to do it in Saudi Arabia, right? So yes, he just he wants some, he wants some big cash. It looks like. Yeah. He oh wants, yeah. He wants some, he wants some oil money. I mean, that's just what it, he you wants, know, you know? Jake officially leaving Showtime, obviously now going to ESPN, but the, the co-promotional thing with top rank, I'm surprised really, but I wonder if it's a larger look at like, Disney and ESPN collectively saying, okay, who's out there that's disrupting, that's legitimately making headlines and views and, you know, reaches that younger market. It is Jake Paul, but there is a, you know, somewhat of a danger here in terms of the level of the partnership. These are going to be afternoon pay-per-views on the East coast. You know, will that sell on the same level? But now that MVP and Jake are all in with PFL to the level of like equity, I do wonder Luke, if this was just a larger get together of all the relevant parties, Disney included, who's just like, look, let's just put this guy completely under our banner and we can go hard and pushing it at those, you know, at the younger weight, at the younger age groups that he does bring into this is that, that, okay, that feels like a, a collective power move by everybody involved. It does. It's interesting that they would go this direction. Uh, also though, it could just be more of, couldn't it, right? Couldn't it be somewhat ceremonial that like, you know, we're going to put top rank in a co-promotion role with MVP and it's somewhat ceremonial. Like we're going to give our name, but really like the bulk of the like top rank's not going to do a lot to help. Like it'll actually just be whatever. I don't know. Whatever Let's see if MVP they have an under, ESPN. do they fill out the undercard? Do they handle, you know, everything of the, you know, on-site pr pr uh, promotional duties? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Um, it is interesting though, but Luke, what's also don't know, interesting. Like when shows on showtime like the press conference that was a mvp production yes when he did the the media day with the horse that was jake's show like showtime digital aired it but that was his show 
So right. he had to do all of that heavy lifting. I would imagine like top rank's going to do that for him. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'll just be curious to see what role they actually play. I wonder, you know, and I don't know the details of the, of the length of the deal. Is this just a one-off because top rank has close connection to the Fury family. So it just makes sense. And you can have, you know, think about it. Think about this from the top rank ESPN side. You're going to want to sell probably after this Fury versus Usyk. You can have Tyson Fury there on the broadcast in the corner with the ESPN announcer. You know what I mean? Like it, it's all, it all comes together to, to kind of like say, Hey, by the way, young boxing fan, if you came in here just for Jake, this guy Fury's brother's in a real fight. You know, like there's there's some of that too. There's that, mm -hmm. that cohesiveness. For sure. That's a good point. Yep. In the planning. Uh Luke, we're talking about uh people that jump through our screens. Sometimes that's Jake Paul. But how about we're, when we're talking about it on the level of a hammer, you know, particularly from our friends over there at Moneyline? Uh, we're getting closer to the end of the month. And obviously that means it's time to select the third Money Lion Hammer of the Month. Uh, for those that have missed or been under a rock, yeah, we're looking at spotlighting undercard fighters, those early in the main card. Basically, who's coming on in your preferred promotion and combat sport? This month, Luke, we've already identified a bunch of them from Royman Villa and the Showtime Boxing pay-per-view to, to the likes of Umar Nurmagomedov, Jailton Almeida, Bruno Fajeda. Luke, who was the one you were pushing hard? Uh, Ismael Bonfim. Yes, yeah, both Bonfims had a Bash Brothers debut. Uh, there's a lot to pick from. You can have your say right now by going to moneyline.com slash morning combat. You can check out the rules and, and the details there, or you can scan that QR code. But uh, when you're watching the fights, as always, it's at Moneyline on Twitter, at Moneyline Inc. on Instagram. You can use that hashtag hammer of the month, holy hammer, whatever you want to do, but it gets our attention and you get to vote right along with us, Luke. Let's see who gets it. Ilya Taporia in month two. Aaron Blanchfield got the inaugural one in person. Look, I get the, where where is our shipping team? I gotta find out. Does Taporia have his hands around the shaft right now, Luke? So I actually am in contact with his management. I'm about I'm about to fix this problem. Okay, okay. We need it. We need to see that the hammer got into his is you know his his airspace there. Uh love it. So uh three days left to vote. Go to morning morning, excuse me, go to moneylion.com slash morning combat uh for more information. It's hammer time. Yes. You think a boxer will ever win that hammer, Luke? There's too many great MMA guys at the moment, you know. I think eventually it's gonna take something All special right. though. Yeah. Uh Luke, sometimes we F up though on the show, and I'm sorry about that, okay? But unlike your other I don't favorite think, I shows, don't think you're really all that sorry. Unlike your other favorite shows that I know you're still watching. Uh we are we do do a segment every Friday where you give you we give you a chance to put us on trial, okay? Put us on high court. Uh morningcombat at gmail.com is the email address to find Mikey on the end of that tunnel and tell him that something BC or LT did was stupid. And on top of that, it was dead wrong. Uh, uh. All right, Luke, here's Bo sliding in. He says uh, on episode 309, Luke talks about the Woodstock 99 documentary and states that after Corn played and figuratively lit the place on fire, Bush had to follow them up and they seemingly calmed the crowd. Well, that is dead wrong. Bush had to follow Limp Biscuit, and oh. then Corn followed Bush. And that's when things literally and figuratively got all lit on fire. I would expect a couple of washed up freaks on a leash to get this right. But you probably <laughs> just did it all for the nookie. God, that's hilarious. Damn, that's, that's such a lame some dad, some dad jokes. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, they had to go out after like a crazy scenario. It's sort of the point, but okay. Luke, you're no stranger to, um, to uh, you know, what's that term when, when someone's funny, but not, you know, they didn't try to be. 
it's just who they are. You're kind of like laughing at them. Or... No, like, uh, what's the term? What's the damn term? It's you know when when you when something. Oh, anyway, um, your your um. Yeah, there you go. No one cares. Nobody cares. That's a great okay. story, BC. Glad you, <laughs> you know, I think I just had an aneurysm right there. Look, there you go. There you go. All right. It was probably about Woodstock. It was probably awesome. Oh, yeah, Luke. The one time in this life that you didn't do your hair before MK and you were feeling like a POS and we filmed that episode that time and you put on a red Yankees hat like you were. No, it wasn't red. It wasn't red. It was black. But you did. Yeah, but it had like the different color. Like it was definitely one of those that like. The equivalent no, it was like, a black. It was, dude. I only have one Yankees hat. It's black on black. That's it. Yeah, but it's not the official Yankees hat. It's like the Limp Biscuit doctored version, like the Fred Durst original, right? It's like I don't know, I don't it's know only... what that means. I bought it at the at a hat store, so I don't, you know. All right, it, it was great, Luke. It was great. Let's go up from here. Go over to Harry. He says about ninety minutes into the Jan twenty three episode, Luke read a question from a Liam and said that the name Liam is one of those things Americans just don't do. Another thing we apparently don't do is research. Liam has been a top five most common baby name in the U.S. for 11 Bullshit. straight Bullshit. years. Don't, including, don't believe it. No, including sorry. four consecutive at number one. No. Luke is hanging around the no. top 50, but not nearly as popular as his friends BC, Lucas and Luca. In your fucking life, have you met a Liam who was yes. from the United States? From the United States? My, yeah, because my kids aged, you know, there, there's a lot of Liam's around, Luke. I'm not kidding. So I, I've um, looked at my kids' uh, elementary school, which goes through fifth grade. There's not one fucking Liam in there. Not one. Sorry. Don't believe that. Don't buy it yeah, at all. You, go you, got it like, you got it from school, like nannyscloset.com. Yeah, don't you go to a at all. She goes to a Spanish-speaking school. Liam's don't speak Spanish. Okay, come on. The, the majority of the kids are English-speaking white kids. Like, what are you talking about? This is the, the, the language of the school is different, but the kids are there. There's black kids and there's Asian kids. Not one is named Liam. There's, I'm telling you, there's like five Americans named Liam, and this is a fucking lie. I don't believe yeah, that. I, I, I don't think believe the it at stats all. tell you differently. They said the name Brian had a solid top ten run every year from 1967 to 78, Luke, which happens to be the year I was born. But much like some people's liver functioning, the name has seen a gradual decline since and is now in the 300s. Yes, there's too many Brians out there anyway who are right around washed. Uh, time zone themselves uh let's yeah, go over to leave these stats i just want to be very clear about that wow luke guess who just uh dead wronged us hey luke and bc it's liverpool's mike owens right here mike owens oh, media shit. on monday's episode at the 4450 mark luke asks what year was it when glover beat prohatska as you'll recall glover beat blahovich to win the blahovich, belt yes you know what losing I meant, fuckers. it to yuri last year an honest mistake but a mistake nonetheless hope to talk to you soon it's Mike Owens Media. Love that guy. Yeah, all right. Finally, Luke, we got John who's going to – wow, they're coming after you. Notice, Luke, I don't think I got I got tagged in any of these this no, week. No, today – some, listen, some days it's even, and some days you take the beating, but today I mean, I'm taking day. the beating in our in our, in our our okay bet uh, <laughs> showdown right now. I'm taking a shellacking, all right? By the way, we didn't, pick, we didn't get to, like, last week's results. We have to talk about that. You fucking got every one of them wrong. <laughs> Yo, I was close, man. Right, Lord Murphy killed me. I mean, you're killing me, Lord Murphy. All right? I, I, this whole time, I've been like, I don't know if it's a good idea for us to do a betting show. Like, we're not betters. We don't we don't do this kind of <laughs> shit. And everyone on the show is like, Yo, just do it. Quit being a fucking bitch and just do it. So we did it, and it turns out, first of all, I'm not good at it. Like, I did okay. I got two at five in the last week. I got four or five the first one. So I'm averaging, you know, like an okay number. Fucking BC hasn't gotten one right yet. No, I, I did get one right. I did get one. You got I believe, one right. So. 
Okay, yeah, I think so I'm like I'm one saying, in like one in like nine what? or something like that. The well, totality look, you know, of the the overall like you know our records together not distinguished in this regard. Yeah, <laughs> you know. This. I'm bad with gambling. That's why I don't do it. I I, I I get emotional. Look, I follow my heart, and it leads me down some uh, some dark places. But I was close on a lot of these. I just got screwed over in the end. But I got a long time to come back, Luke, before I have to show up at some stupid dark metal show. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a turnaround here. You're gonna see it, okay? So I'm maybe, talking. Maybe about. I'll tell you. You know what? I think the worst thing for you because you're, you're like low key a little racist is I'm gonna take you to. A, <laughs> I said low key. Not, low not key. even true. Not even close. Go ahead. I mean, I, this, gonna, this happened. Yes, this happened, Luke. It happened. I'm gonna All take. Right. I'm gonna take you to like, uh, like something like super fucking uh, artsy fartsy in Spanish, like the worst possible thing I could get for you. And All I'm right, I got a translator named Tuki. That's fine. I'll I'll be fine. All <laughs> right, we got one more dead wrong from John. Here, I submit my formal request to expose one of you for being dead wrong at 5106 of, of episode 401 our favorite non-fighting fighting commenter luke references that dan hooker is fighting jalen turner at ufc 285 on march 4th luke yeah. stated that this will obviously be in australia or perth that that is indeed dead wrong uh while in fact hooker turner will be going down at ufc 285 it is located in the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, not Australia. Perth. Uh, I had sorry, I had a, my my mixed missed up the dates. Yes, fair enough. That uh, also be the, the card Luke is thinking of must be two eighty four, which is happening February eleventh. Did you make an assumption that Hooker was taking another ill advised, highly profitable, short notice fight? Oh, how the mighty have fallen! Sit on that L, Luke. Wow. Oh my God, this is another dead wrong that is fucking stupid because I didn't say, okay, they're like, Luke said at 141 of whatever episode it was that uh, I hope Neil Young will remember us. Other man doesn't need him around anyhow. It's from Sweet Home Alabama, not Freebird. I didn't say it was from Freebird. I said it was from the band Alabama and that I liked that line. I didn't, I'm not under the assumption. It's like, dude, it's like, I hope did Neil you say Young the band Alabama? Remember. Hold on. A Southern man don't need him around anyhow. Literally the next words are, Sweet home Alabama, or not Alabama. What am I saying? Leonard Skinner, the, the band. There's also yeah, a country so, band called Alabama. Sorry, they have a lot of number one hits. The, you get the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to point out here. Yeah, I know it's from that song. I know it's from that you're song. stepping in dead wrong bear traps left and right as you try to explain this, but because I try to yeah, explain myself, was, it's making it worse. But that was a bonus, uh, dead wrong from Caleb. Oh, no, there's one more. A bunch of people wrote in. I had corrected myself on air, but for folks who wanted to know. We had talked about whose tattoo was it? Someone who had the Japanese tattoo, he had the big Hanya mask. Yeah, that was Arthur Spielka. Spielka, yeah. And then I was like, oh, he had the marijuana leaf. And then I corrected it. It was the maple leaf in real time. Yes, there was other people who wrote in that it was a Japanese maple leaf. The Jap I have this book. I have not finished it yet, as you can well tell. My research is done from this. The Japanese maple leaf, BC, has a very special name. Let me read it to you. I think it's called like Maji. Uh, it starts with an M. It actually has the same letter. It is known as a, oh, sorry, no, a momiji, uh, which is the maple leaf. So there, if you want more to study, like I need to study, you can get Japanese tattoos, which is by Yori Moriarty. Moriarty. Luke, like I wouldn't go near home. that book, okay? It's, it's really good. Like the history There's of, just a lot um, of ass cheeks, I can tell already in that book. Nah, Luke. it's just a lot of, uh, it's a lot of, uh, anyway, the stuff that I'm going to get on my sleeve, which is all the way already booked, uh, I don't have any of that. I don't want any of that. So that's why I didn't know about it. So there you go. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for the dead wrongs. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com is the email address. Same for Wednesday's fan subs, which will be making a comeback. 
uh, of course, you guys just have to dig in a little. We'll see what happens. Yes, just stop putting explicit pornography. Dude, or, I don't uh, know. Uh, I think I think that one under question. I think it deserves the light of day. We'll find out. I, will, uh, I wanted there was one that they pulled that I thought was borderline, but I'm just saying, like, can we just do you know that was a tandem one? effort? That was Appy and Jay Paquette teaming up, our co-donks of the year, Luke. They teamed yeah. up for that. I thought it was Maybe, I don't know. It's can we I air mean, that know, at the London show? I would like to. We'd have to talk to our team because I think both of those gentlemen will be in attendance. Uh, you know, the boss lady as well, Don Paquette, will be there as well. I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll we get we have we have questions for Don about Jay. Does he work, Luke? I think he works on this show. All right. Who will be more excited to see us in London? Uh, or excuse me, who will be more excited about our London trip? Jay and his wife, or anyone in my family? What do you think? <laughs> Uh, you can get your tickets right now for Pod Live Wednesday, February 8th at the King's Place Music Hall there in the King's Court section of London, a 90-minute live show. The Pod with Live Festival. Dan Hardy. With Dan Hardy, brought to you by the Sports Podcast Group. They named us Best MMA Show of 2022 and Best Sports Podcast. That's because you folks, because you folks are crazy. But if you want to get even crazier and show up at our live show, or even if you can't make it, but you want to be there in spirit, Right now, our London collection is available on our merch house, morningcombat.store. We have three new shirts, two of them London-related, particularly to our uh, MK in the UK live show, which, look, it's funny. That MK in the UK live show has the time on it or in the date, but it's listed, you know, U.S. style of the right. date. I, I got a note about that as well. So they wanted it to be, I guess, day, UK month, style. year, and then American yeah. style is month, day, year whatever i mean whatever but i will say great shirts in our gta one i'm telling you it's going to be our number one shirt by the end of the run luke i'm telling you i think it's going to pass the morning hub that gross piece of filth fabric that you're all wearing around like like your kids soccer every matches. time i wear that to the grocery store people are always like the fuck yeah <laughs> i don't i don't want to be associated with what you do on the dark web luke after we stop hanging out after you try to touch that's why me i've got my own vpn yeah, and a VAPE as well, Luke. Although, congratulations on that habit. Okay, there you go. Hey, morning uh, combat. Can, store. I, can I confess? I smoked a little bit this morning. The vape. Oh, dude, are you serious? You've worked so a, hard. I, a, I know, I know, but I, I just, I, I don't have it on me. I'm not smoking at the desk, but I had a little bit this morning. I was feeling it. I, what were you feeling? Like low rent? Is put, that what I you were feeling? To, I need to put nicotine in my lungs. All right. All right. Well, we all have our own habits, Luke, but you can continue your merch habit there. J RJ uh, Dunkelcracker, Luke, he's he's been doing some good stuff. Uh, he's not going to be in London, but we're going to have a good team with us, Luke. We're also going to have uh, Jake Von Amsterdam recording, filming, producing right right in the moment. Our documentary number eight. Uh, this this is going to be a good one. I don't know if you're ever going to beat Doc Seven, Luke. It was 45 minutes of just joy, right? I don't even remember which one Doc Seven. Is Doc Seven the last one? It's, yeah, it's like the whole year, and then at the oh, end, there's yeah. the live show with the margaritas. Yeah, yeah. where where Malka made it all about them. Is that what they did? Is that the one? <laughs> Why they didn't they didn't make you look like too much of a monster? They were actually very soft in their handling of you. They were soft. What I'm saying is they changed the way which we had initially pitched what the episodes should be about, and they made it much more about like Malka's involvement. I thought that was kind of funny, but you know, oh, like but... a like a video they can run at the end of the year of like yeah, look at yeah, all yeah. the great things we've done through these, yeah, yeah, these exactly. gentlemen. Yeah, well, you know that happens in this game. Uh, anything else you want to promote, Luke? Any, you got anything? No, I think that's it. We're not doing anything for the for the uh, boxing match this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Just check out the Fedor resume review, SBC indicated. Check out a Sage Northcut interview, and then great stuff next week. Yeah, that's what we do here, and. um, 
I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about our future, the future of our listeners, Luke. It's going to be a joyful party come February 8th, okay? It's what we do, Luke, okay? Maybe this is the start of the world tour. Maybe one day we go back to your to where your journey started, New Delhi, Luke, okay? No, no, BC, I was born on American territory. No, Luke, you were born in India, and you need to embrace that. If we ever can do MK in the Mumbai, that would be fantastic, Luke, right? Uh, but I'm not from Mumbai. I wasn't born in Mumbai. I was born yeah, in but New it doesn't Delhi. rhyme. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme. It's not the same thing. Uh, thanks to Mikey Morms pressing the buttons behind the scenes and our great extended teams. Uh, what a time, right? Thank you for everything. Enjoy the Fedor, Fedor uh, resume thing. Um, I don't know. I'm stumbling at the finish here line here, Luke. You got anything else? That's it. That's it. That's it, bro. Oh, yeah, we're out. We're out of here. Yeah. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>